and when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so it opened up. We're running the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know, and it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today, because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. <laughs> So the bad news is for everybody that we've no uh, club games this weekend, no county finals to preview. Um, 11 county finals were supposed to be played this weekend. We know the GA decision at this stage. Um, the GA released a statement, I think it was Monday night. Um, the decision has been taken in the interest of public safety following a number of incidents that have been brought to our attention in recent days. In particular, post-mass celebrations and a lack of social distancing at certain events have proved disappointing and problematic. So there it is, Conan. Um, that's what the GEA have decided to do. Um, is it fair? I, I don't know. Like, I can understand. We talked about this, about the, the post-match celebrations. Like, that's up to individuals and, and teams to, to not do that. You're not going to stop that no matter what restrictions you put in place. But I, I don't know what the conversations were from the GEA talking to county boards or trying to get involved in actually socially distancing spectators at games. I, I don't know if that ever happened. Like, and it seems so simple to me. And like, you can see it happening uh, at Ulster rugby, people just spaced out. Like it's happening. It's happening in football in England. People are spaced out and, and they're, they're told where to sit. And it didn't seem to be happening in the, in the GEA. And Without a warning, it just seems a bit harsh now that sort of suddenly it's like, no, you're not doing it. But you didn't tell them to do anything specifically. And if they had to come in... Well, no, in, in, in defence of the GA, they definitely sent a letter out last weekend because the standards were slipping and sent a letter out to all um, uh, pretty sure clubs that were involved in finals telling them that they're going to have to up their game and, and county boards and space it out. And this was not um, heeded. So this, they've t- this is the next step then that they've cancelled everything. Yeah, well, then, then that would be fair, like, you know, because it, it, it does seem like giving people a warning, if I, especially if that's not working, it's not going to really do anything. It's, with only 11 games left, you do need to make a big statement. But now the problem is that you're coming in the county season and if these games will ever get played again. And it does seem like it's just been ruined for a few for a few clubs who had one more game to play. Some some counties have semifinals. But yeah, I don't I don't know. It, it, it seems very harsh on those. It's, it's a hard one. It, like the scenes weren't good, but I still think there could have been a bit more control put in place. I think the GEA always get the, the blame for everything. Like, I mean, you see some people from a rugby background, you know, showing the Black Rock celebrations and saying, oh, look at the GEA now. And they, they just can't wait to put the boot in. And the Black Rock celebrations had nothing to do with Croke Park or GEA. Like, this, these were, this is the fault of the club. This is the fault of the people um, associated with the club celebrating out in the street like it was this time last year. Abs- they're probably the worst scenes I've seen after a GEA game because you can kind of, in some way, excuse, you know, um, rushing out in the pitch, for example, in Dungan, and you go, oh, look, well, they just lost the run of themselves, a rush of blood to the head, they hadn't hadn't won it in so long. BlackRock had hours after that game to, you know, stop, celebrate. They chose to march up to town, Connor. Like, I mean, all like St. Patrick's Day parade, practically. Yeah, as you said, they had time to coordinate it. And the, the, the yeah. worst thing is that... Um, as far as I know, there was there was actually uh, a socially distanced um, celebration planned for Black Rock as well. That it was a ticket only entry to the clubhouse, as far as I know, and that it was organised so that there would be loads of social distancing in place and stuff like that. And then after they won, word got out that they'll be you know they'll be gathering at a certain time. And then we all saw it after that. 
loads of crowds together, all cheering, all gathered together, put out on social media. And this was at a time where word was breaking that, you know, we could potentially be moving to level five. So it just, it just the optics of it were, were all wrong. But I just I take up on a point you made well there is that um, the criticism of the GA uh, as a whole, I think was wrong. Like this is human nature. And like, um, it's r- rightly or wrongly, like I'm, I'm not trying to compare sports here or whatever, but like you don't get the scenes uh, you get after big club GA matches in other sports, or certainly not no. to the same extent. Like there's the Nordic sport in Ireland, like the GA is, is in touch with its community as the as the GA is, and so that's you know that the, the GA is used to having scenes like that in loads of towns where where crowds gather together. But this is this is human nature, um, you know, and and it's 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 up to people to take personal personal responsibility here, and because they haven't. And because they've got warning, do you know that um, that as you mentioned there, that Roland Glynn had mentioned it to to John Horn, and John Horn had communicated to all GA counties, and the message had not been heeded. So, you know, fairness or not, I can understand where the GA were coming yeah. from with that. Did, did, did uh, GA, the GA can't police the BlackRock public. That's no. the reality of it. That is not their fault. It is absolutely not their fault. The whole the whole question here, Conan, is, uh, you know, should BlackRock be punished? Should Dungarvan be, pu- be punished? We'll get to them in a few minutes. Should the individual clubs be punished? Or should every club that have done things right and are in county finals this weekend, should everyone be punished? I have to hold my hands up and say that when I was in school, and I was in trouble a lot. If the whole class was punished, that was more of a deterrent to me because you start feeling the heat of everybody. Look what you're after doing to us. You know, you're after getting us all in trouble now. That used to be more of a deterrent to me to mess than if I was just kicked out of the class on my own, I'd go up and hide in the toilets or something like that and wait for the class to be over. Like, do you know what I mean? Punishing everybody, in my experience, is a better way of doing it. It's It's unfair. But, you know, it's almost like, geez, I better not step out of line or I'll be to blame for everybody. Well, that's it. Like it's it's definitely more effective. But the only concern now is that there's no. If there were three more weeks left, and they decided to punish everybody this weekend, then everyone would be like, "Right, lads, get your act together." Yeah. We'll, we'll do it, right. But now it seems like they don't have any space to do it. And like it, it's you're right. It's not up to the GA to police the Black Rock Parade. You know, and like they shouldn't be doing that. I know they shouldn't be looking to do that. I just come back to the point. Like I would like to have seen a bit more control measures put into where the crowds were sitting and stuff like that. And yeah. let Connor say human nature be human nature, but the GA should do what they could do and maybe they did try their best. Well, that's the thing. And like, I mean, when you look at the county final in Meath, like it was obvious from the stand, there wasn't much social distancing. Now there's two ways of looking at this. That stand is small, right? It was a mm. horrible day. So nobody could sit anywhere but in the stand. Having said that, there was only 200 people there and they could have been spaced out. Again, the GA get a kick in the arse for that. That's a Mead County Board issue. Like, you can't paint the whole GA as to blame for anything that every little, you know, club or subsection of the GA does. It's just completely unfair. But again, I do find that, you know, other sports just love to put the boot in, you know, and people who don't like the GA, um, those weirdos, they like to, you know, put the boot in whenever they can. I do have an awful lot of sympathy for the clubs who've made a county final this weekend and now have that postponed. Because like you say, Conan, when does it get played now? We know we're coming into inter-county season. We know that, you know, the next weekend is gone. 
then you're into league games. We're not 100% sure now. I saw John Fogarty in the examiner saying that he's not sure if the league, the last two league games are going to go ahead. We'll get to that again in a minute. But I do feel bad for clubs who have done the right thing, who are in a final next weekend and now are in no man's land because what date do you train for? It's a bit like the Leafs situation we were talking about last Thursday, Con, and you don't actually know when it's going to be. You have to wait around in limbo until your county's out of the championship. Yeah, and this this is for a bloody final as well. Like talk yeah. about losing all your momentum when you've done you've done the work, you're ready for a final and now you're just sitting around on your arse, maybe never playing this game again. Like this should be fever pitch maybe that, maybe that's the problem with the celebrations then but it should be yeah. a ball around the place but there was, there, was, Connor, there was a huge difference now in as the club season went on the standard slipping the, the standard in, in the game the quality the, of the game no no the standard in you know the distancing and the you know yeah. the after match celebrations and all that kind of thing there was a gradual deterioration in look look I don't want to criticise anybody for anything here I'm not taking a side one way or another but there was an obvious uh, deterioration in the the actual coronavirus, you know, yeah. best practice standards. Look, I, I'm probably a bit of a, a hypocrite as well. Like I was at our club's final on Sunday, and we went four points up in the second half, and I thought this is going to be madness. This is going to be class. You hugged a stranger, did you? <laughs> well, thankfully we lost, so I didn't, I didn't have that problem. But like, there was a part of me thinking these scenes are going to be amazing. We've never won it before, like like Dungannon, and it's going to be, and I wasn't thinking, how is this going to look? It was like, I can't wait to to hug somebody like who, who we've all battled with together over the last yeah. 20 years. Um, yeah, so maybe I'm a bit of a hypocrite, but with these 11 games, maybe the GA should just come in and said. Right, if you do this, then you're getting your medals taken off you or something. I don't know. Yeah, I'd like to, you, look, listen, there's a big argument to say let the games go ahead this weekend, put them behind closed doors, but to put them behind closed doors doesn't fix what goes on up the town later on. And that's where the d- deterioration is happening yeah. more so than at the game. So, like, the CPA are disappointed with this. They released a statement that said, We've been contacted by a lot of clubs over the last 24, 48 hours, distressed and disappointed that their season has, brought, has been brought to an ab- abrupt and unsatisfactory end. Now, I'd argue that it hasn't been brought to an end. It's been brought to an unsatisfactory postponement. Um, yeah. They all, they all need they, they all understand the need to tighten restrictions, but we're appealing um, to have the chance to finish out their campaign. They can absolutely finish out their campaign, just not this weekend. I agree, it's messy. They continue on saying the GA leadership centrally at provincial level and, it's, and in some counties have, have attracted unfair criticism. I agree with that. This criticism has been for situations in which they have little or no control over an individual's behaviour. And I agree with that as well. Then they say, uh, at this time, in light of the GA directive on Monday the 5th of October, we're pleading with the GA management committee to allow outstanding adult championship games to be completed behind closed doors. I'm a little bit torn, Connor, on the behind closed doors thing. If they went behind closed doors, I wouldn't criticise it. If they didn't go behind closed doors and they're postponed for this weekend. I'm not massively criticising it either. Yeah, well, see, the thing about behind closed doors is what you mentioned there, Willie, is that you're still not you're still not preventing what might happen up the town later. Do you know what I mean? Like, say, so the G, like the the CPA statement said, the GA doesn't have little control over an individual individual's behaviour, which they don't. They absolutely don't. We've mentioned that there. What the GA does have control over, I suppose, that like if they let these matches go ahead. Or if they cancel these matches, for example, they're taking they're taking away the excuse maybe for large groups of people to gather together later on. Like say if you have a match and somebody wins a county title and it's behind closed doors and everything, and no matter what protocols a club are going to be put in place, there's still a chance that like, you know, lads are gonna gather then later on that night and have a house party or something like that. Whereas if the GA cancels 
you know that match they kind of take away that excuse like uh, it's 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 just it's it's messy like it's unfair but like i i don't know like i'm i i don't know would i don't know would behind closed doors it would solve the lack of social distancing in the crowds but it's still not going to solve the gatherings that might take place later on and i'm sure the ga are very conscious of that they definitely are so boris Kilcotton manager kieran comerford was saying ultimately they were supposed to be playing the county final against clock balacala um, this weekend he says ultimately the game isn't going ahead and we're heading into intercounty season after this weekend so the earlier we're look, earliest we're looking is to mid to end November and that's assuming the worst for Leash which is what nobody wants and then of course there's no guarantee um, that things haven't progressed to a level 4 level 5 so like that's the, that's the awkward thing really Conan is that by the time the inter-county season for each county is over you could be in a level 4 or 5 situation with the way things are going and the mass hysteria around, you know, a spike in cases. Um, that's where it could be. So maybe players are looking at it saying, Jesus, it might be next year before we're get we're we're playing it. Do we do we allow the team a break? Do we stop training? Do we yeah. wait until after Christmas? You know, it, it's just so up in the air for the clubs. Maybe it, it would save an awful messy situation if they just went behind closed doors this weekend and just at least closed off club season. Yeah, I know. At least, at least for Leash, that they they were sort of prepared for this, you know. So they're the the lucky ones as such compared to the the ones who are left. But the only thing I would say is that I, I was thinking about Liverpool winning the Premier League, and they had to have that big long wait, and everyone thought it would ruin it. And you look at the celebrations that they had then when they finally did get to do it, and it was it was safe from their point of view to do so. So I think even if you're just playing one game and it's called off until November, December, and you get to play it, it's still going to be a club championship. It's just. They will need preparation, and they do need to know: can they stop now? Or it, it's just such a mess. Like I, those clubs will keep training; you know they will. So, like that's that's the big problem. That's the thing. So we're going to have Mark Collins on later in the show in part two. We're going to I'll definitely be asking him what's it like. He obviously scored a sudden death penalty for Castlehaven um, against St. Finbars last weekend and they were supposed to play Nemo Rangers this weekend and that's been pulled. Um, so we'll talk to him then. Obviously the story in Garvin, lads, I don't want to spend too long on this because I'd say we'll all be in agreement that this is just brain dead stuff from Dungarvan that a player was a close contact of a confirmed case. He got a he got a, a test and was waiting on a on his result and he played the county final and then tested positive and then some more players tested positive like this is just god almighty like i mean when they talk about in their statement saying as a club we wish to we wish to stress that the player involved was following clubs interpretation of the guidelines and advice at all times did not attend any of the post-match celebrations and was acting in good faith so they knew he was, you know, a, a, a pretty, um, you know, how do, how do you put it, potentially infectious individual. That's why he didn't attend the post-match celebrations, but he, he went and played the match, which I think actually paints them in a worse light, Connor, than at least, at, at least uh, playing completely dumb and saying we didn't, you know, we didn't know what was going on at all. He, did, he wasn't clear with us or something. And, you know, he attended the post-match celebrations and we were completely in the dark about it. Like absolutely, like like the biggest question I remember at the start of the the whole when when the club season kind of resumed was what's going to happen if somebody you know has a test before a county final like like it's not as if this scenario has not been envisaged in every single county yeah. in the country like uh, like Dungarvan's interpretation of the of the COVID guidelines must be different to every single club in the county and then even to say that to say afterwards that like they, they even mentioned that he did not attend any of the post-match celebrations as if that they should be given credit for that or something like that <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. it was completely gobsmacked and then you know we're talking about clubs that are behaving in the right way you know and how, how it's how it's unfair on a lot of clubs 
you know, that are, that are maybe waiting on a county final and now they can't have it this weekend and they did nothing wrong. And then you look and it's just a slap in the face when you see a club act like that, to be honest. I, just, I, I was, I, well, no more than everybody else, I'm sure, is completely gobsmacked. Yeah, that's definitely not a good look. Here, Antrim GA are completely confusing me here, Conan. So get this. So, like, they, these people obviously saw the... The level five kind of restrictions floated by Nefet and then the GA cancelled the clubs and they just probably thought, Oh well look this is gonna look great on us here now. We're gonna we're gonna stick out a tweet here and we're gonna show how much we care and this, so they tweeted, I think it was in around Monday, following a, a county board meeting last night, we can confirm that all competitions under our control would cease with immediate effect. We will not be returning to complete any outstanding fixtures for the twenty twenty season and we look forward to commencing a new fixtures calendar for twenty twenty one. Right? So I should look at this going, what the hell? Jeez, that's a bit drastic now. They're not even going to finish anything out. Then they tweet it again. Um, and they, co- they call it the Antrim GA Circuit Breakers. And they must have seen Leo Varadkar on Claire Byrne then on the Monday night. And they learned what a circuit breaker was. And I, <laughs> my understanding of a circuit breaker doesn't, like, a club just can't do that because the club players all have their own individual lives. So you can't circuit break Antrim GA without circuit breaking wherever they go outside of their, their training. So it's brain dead Antrim circuit breaker thing and then they said that it has been decided by our clubs from midnight Sunday the 11th of October until midnight Sunday the 25th of October that all club activities in relation to group training at all age groups will cease. We hope via this circuit breaker that we in Antrim GA will play our part in help keeping the rise of COVID-19 at bay. This looks like, uh, can you make sense of this for me, please? <laughs> no. Um, the, the first tweet was just completely unnecessary. I, I saw it going out as well pretty soon after it went out and I was like, what, what are you doing? Like, just, just relax yourself. Like, you know, they, fair enough, like call off, call a halt to everything, but they don't need to say... That's it. Like we'll see you next year. Like yeah. you know, weird. Just just wait to see what's happening. And like even the new restrictions in Ireland and in the north, it's, it's just like it's three weeks that we're we're taking on a three week basis. So just just calm down. You don't need to be doing that. And then yeah, the idea of a circuit breaker is funny as well. It's con- considering what like one of the Europe's hotspots is in Derry, just up the road from them. So like, you know, it's it's all well and good Antrim doing that, but it's not going to mean that Antrim's going to suddenly be in a bubble for the rest of its life and they can continue as yeah. normal. And then, they, and then they changed it from the whole of 2021 to just two weeks. <laughs> yeah at least they got a bit of sense maybe when the clubs actually met and had something I just thought that was funny when I saw it but look listen the, the amount of, of kudos you get especially online and especially on Twitter when you put out tweets like this oh look they're saving lives you know and that kind of narrative whereas it's you know clubs training is allowed under most levels, uh, Connor. It's not a dangerous thing to do. We know that. Most restrictions allow your teams to train. It's healthy. It's outdoors, you know, and it's not seen as a highly kind of uh, dangerous activity. Yeah, absolutely. You've kind of nailed it there. They, they, they weren't doing anything. They, they weren't saying anything when they were cancelling for two years. That it wasn't as if they were uh, complying with the guidelines that have, that have been in place or whatever. So whatever kudos, you know, like but there is a lot. I think there is a lot in that about like you know people getting kudos for maybe being definitive, but like you know they were definitive in the wrong way because it, it didn't, as I said, kind of co- co- correlate with what was in the guidelines. And then it looks even worse then when they kind of roll back on it within what was it within a day or something like that. So yeah, they just. Uh, 
did a little bit of jumping the gun. They probably needed to chill the beans a little bit. I, I had to check to see was Tony Houlihan entering county board chairman for a second when I, when, <laughs> when I read that. But look, at least they've seen sense now. Fermanagh have announced that all training and all games within the county have been suspended until further notice at club and county level as a result of the increase. So Fermanagh have done a similar thing. Now, at county level, they're probably justified because there's been a lot of tests in their senior football panel. Now, this is a this is a very interesting situation, Conan, because under GEA rules, the positive cases have to self-isolate, but everybody else are casual contacts and can continue on training. However, the Northern Ireland executive define teammates as close contacts. So they're stuck between a rock and a hard place, you know, in that they have to follow the law in Northern Ireland which dif- which differs from the GEA rules on this. So you can't criticise the Fermanagh County Board for standing down their inter-county team and following the law in Northern Ireland. No, and that's sort of what they have to do. And I got annoyed. Was it, was it Monday night that the, the big announcement was? And uh, on the news afterward, the, on RTE, they were talking about Michelle O'Neill and Arden Foster are seeking a meeting with Michal Martin about an all Ireland approach. It's like, have they, have they not had that meeting? <laughs> yeah. It's happening. Like, you know, we're, we're in October and there's, they're seeking a meeting about maybe talking about an all Ireland approach. It's, it's absolutely insane, especially uh, when you have the most prominent organization on both sides of the, the border is the GA and it, it is an all Ireland approach. So it's crazy and it's, it's tough from, from Fermanagh's point of view, and I'm sure we'll talk about it, but the fact that you know that the league might leave him behind is just insane as well. Yeah, well, that's the thing. So um, Ryan McManaman has been talking, and they're asking for the GEA, um, you know, to postpone the match against Clare. So there's 14 days isolation, um, the panel, which they have to do, you know, under the rules um, in Northern Ireland ends on the day of the Clare game. So they would only be allowed to go to that Clare game without having trained um, in the lead up to it. So it looks like it's very unfair. Again, this is a, a, a scheduling thing. Where does that game go? It's a very important game because Clare and Fermanagh are in relegation trouble. It absolutely has to be played. So, you know, again, it's just very, very messy, all this, isn't it? Like there's not enough time in the year. And like what John Fogarty has in the examiner saying that the last two league games could just be cancelled for everybody. Um, you know, maybe to free up a little bit of space to finish those club games and just get into the just get into the um, the championship. Yeah, like do you, do you know the way in the Premier League when they were talking about it to start cancelling it, it, it was going to be a, an all team approach, like to talk about points per game or just ending it as it was on the certain amount of points you had. But at least it was fair. It's it's not nice. It's messy, but. The, the idea of just, say, maybe Fermanagh missing out in a game or missing out in two weeks training before a game, I, I just feel uncomfortable with it because we, we, we know if it was Dublin in that situation, not to pick on Dublin, but that, that probably wouldn't happen. And if it was Galway on top of Division 1, it probably wouldn't happen as well. So it just seems hard to leave one county caught adrift. Yeah, no, it definitely does. From from my um, understanding, from talking to people in Fermanagh, that the issues within their squad have have not been in and around training it has been their positive cases. Uh, the, I think all of them, or the majority of them, have been in 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 university, and that's where they're picking it up. And this isn't a surprise, Connor. We know what like students just starting in college, students going back to college. They've nothing to do. Their classes are online. You know, mm. they're they're only young. They're not high risk. And you know, sometimes I think, and I don't want to talk about the coronavirus in a general sense. I don't want to lose any listeners because this is a very very divisive 
you know, kind of topic. But, you know, as universities open, as society opens, as pubs open, the idea that we wouldn't see a spike in cases and have these issues is just fanciful. Like, I mean, surely all this stuff is kind of expected to happen. Yeah, and you, you you talk about universities there, and you're looking at like you know you're looking at what happened in Galway, for example, and in Cork, and like I'm sure there's loads of examples of that. So this is going to happen. I just, like a lot of sympathy for for Ryan McMenamin when he was kind of outlining the situation, like just saying that like they're in no shape to play, they're not going to be in any shape to play that game, and and you can you can absolutely get where he's coming from if the if the isolation period for those who have tested positive is going to be on the end of the game. Is going to be the day of the game, and he was even saying that like uh, the hotel in Clare, uh, they 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 reserved the hotel in Clare, and that the hotel is cancelled because of level three restrictions. And then I was thinking that oh, I didn't think overnight stays were allowed, but that's uh, for Manor it would be 130 miles away from Clare, so so that applies. So like Ryan McManaman was the only manager I've heard it say so far about you know the the league games and the the kind of um, the co- the coincidences for the league games are the consequences for the league games. But I'd imagine this meeting that you mentioned. I think there's a meeting taking place tonight. Yeah. Uh, then that'll canvas the opinion of all the county board chairmen and managers and, and make an informed decision on the back of it. But like it, it I, I doubt the Fermanagh Clare game is going to be the only game that's called into doubt on the back of what we've seen recently. Yeah, there's no doubt it's going to be a messy championship too, Conan. This is what we have to deal with. And especially when, you know, any kind of increase in cases the, especially on social media seem to be demanding for lockdowns and stuff which could happen during the championship um, everybody has to expect um, that to happen inter-county games can go on even at level 4 at level 5 they, they might not but with the with the government committing 15 million to the inter-county season maybe special you know you know dispensation might be allowed to those inter-county games to give people stuff to look forward to at the weekend because that's a big problem coming into the winter when you don't have much only 11 of the 47 senior championship fixtures will have scope to be rescheduled if a team happens to you know have the issues for example for mana have um so like i mean that is the all earned semi-finals and finals and five other games um, if you don't have a game the following weekend, obviously, you know, like being, but the reality is that this championship will go ahead. It's looking very likely that it will go ahead, but that it's going to be a very weird championship in that Leash could win Leinster because Dublin might have to pull out the, the week of the match, which is, look, it's almost just going to be like a novelty bonus championship rather than, you know, being taken seriously. Although I will take it very seriously and I'll be knocking on every pub door in, in Port Leash if Leash win the Leinster championship. <laughs> um, yeah, like that, that's scary though. That's that 11 out of 47. Like, that's less than a quarter of the, the games. It can be refixed. So it, it seems very unlikely that... that that you get away with it. It, it. Maybe we shouldn't be restricting ourselves to, is it December 20th or December 19th? Maybe they should think about maybe pushing into next year if they have to, because you're right. Like this is something really important to look forward to. Like the winter's hard enough without yeah. lockdown and, and people losing jobs and, and this pandemic going on. So uh, I was actually thinking this is going to be amazing because this is exactly what we need. We all need to sit around dark, long winter nights and watching GA county championship. That's going to be class. And we'll all be, all be talking about it. It is, it's too important to, not go ahead but I just hope that it's not messed up yeah well that's the thing and I think a lot of people will definitely need it um, sport especially like you say for that thing to look because at the end of the day when the evenings are dark you know the pubs are closed most entertainment is closed um, what have you got to look forward to at the weekend you're spending an awful lot of time in your house you know you can't go outside because the weather's bad Christ almighty like I mean people need to realise how difficult this winter is going to be for everybody um, and if, if sport 
can be some sort of an outlet for people. Well, I think every effort should be made to keep um, keep that going at least. DJ Carey has given us a bit of a, an insight into intercounty setups. So he was talking at an air grid launch, um, Connor, and I, I'm not sure if every county is following this level of of detail. Maybe they they all are. I don't know. I'm not involved in it, but I do know Brian Cody. Looking from him, he's definitely on the more cautious approach because he's sitting at the matches wearing a mask outside, you know, which is much less uh, risky. So he's obviously taking it very seriously considering his age. Um, so DJ Carey says, we train in the MW Hire Centre in Kilkenny, which is our training ground. We don't go to Nolan Park because you can't use dressing rooms. We have two big marquees up on either side of the stand, which means half the players go in one half go into the other. There is a one-way system in and out. Unless they're coming from the same household, players come in one car. You have to get your temperature checked. You're coming togged out, ready to go. All the hurls, balls um, are sanitised before we go out and start doing any sort of hurling. The training session itself is fine. We don't huddle. We don't come in to talk. You talk from a certain distance to your players. Once training is over, players take off their gear, put it into a bin bag. That's collected by a dry cleaners, taken away. That will be uh, back the following night. Players tug out into fresh gear, go home and have a shower. Their meal is delivered to them at training. They take that home or eat it there and then um, either in their cars. So Jesus, I'm just thinking like someone, it's, I don't know, like, I mean, he paints a fairly good, a fairly interesting picture and detailed picture of how, they, how they're dealing with their training sessions. Yeah, and in fairness, like uh, like uh, like with the best intentions at the start, maybe when clubs went back, there was, there was a lot of measures put in place, and I'd say just naturally they kind of maybe fell away after a while. Whereas you'd like to think that there's there's so much kind of um, there's so much expertise maybe around an intercounty setup that that sort of that sort of system that DJ has outlined is is going to be maintained. And good to know as well that like I, I that the, the important point there for for me was that players get f- fresh gear to tog out into after training sessions because we're talking about coming into the winter here. And we're talk, we we mentioned before about having to make long distances, you know, tra- long journeys after training where you might be cold and you might be wet, and you you know might may be able to get into a shower for an hour or stuff like that. So obviously, every little uh, every little event eventuality is is taken care of, and I imagine that there's you know there's there's a lot of security in that as an intercounty player. That's you, you know you're you're confident that your that your that your county board are looking after you, and that's I, I would assume that but that every county obviously Kilkenny is at the elite level, but I would like to assume that every county is like that. Too. Yeah, you imagine. So some good news here for you, Conan. So Sky Sports um, will televise all of their 14 games live. So it's going to be on some Sky Mix. I presume I have it if you have the basic package. I don't. Sky Mix doesn't jump out at me, but it's on the basic package. So instead of putting a pay-per-view, they're letting everybody see it. That's a really, really good thing Sky Sports are doing. BBC are showing all eight Ulster um, championship matches, six of them live and two deferred. Um, and then RT have their games as well. So there's going to be no shortage of games. And I think that she is going to look into streaming other games. Jesus, we'll be giving out about too many games and not being able not being able to decide what if Mayo are playing Galway and Cork are playing Kerry at the same time. And but at least if one's not on telly, you can the decisions made for you, Conan. How are we going to deal with this? It's going to be amazing how quickly uh, we start complaining about those too many pictures. And w- why why was an RT cover not one in Sky? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here, well, here's another one now. So Sky, this is from this launch right 
So Sky, just sometimes they have to wonder about the decisions our team make, and I don't want to be too critical of them, but at the same time, so Sky are are balancing up the idea of whether they're going to introduce noises or, you know, crowd noises or not. I would be more pro-crowd noises than against them. Getting them right in a GA context might be much more difficult than soccer, for example, but I much prefer watching the soccer with the fake noise than I do without it. Or waiting to hear what RT are thinking about doing. This this is in the examiner as well. They're gassed. RT are unlikely to use artificial crowd noises. Instead, increasing the strength of their microphones on the sideline to amplify the sounds of the on-field action. That's exactly what we don't want. Have you ever watched a match where you can hear the players shouting on the pitch? It just it just accentuates the fact that there's nobody at this bloody game. I don't want to hear that. It's it's desperate. Why would RT want to accentuate the fact there's no one at it instead of pretend there's people at it? Yeah. We're, we're going to amplify the sound of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> of the play, because the one thing that makes you know, Jesus, there's no one at that. I just heard the centre-back shouting. You know, it's just or the, someone shouting an encouragement for Sina. They want to actually increase this. Yeah, when we've had this at like games at Crew Park when there's 3,000 people at it, like, you know, we, we, we know it's not good, so we don't we don't need to experience it again. And and you're right, like, I was actually a, a crowd noise conspiracist coming into it before the Premier League started. I thought, no, no, I want to hear what's actually happening. And then when I really watched it without the noise, it is grim. Like, yeah. And just you have those little patterns, like you know, when you when you hear the, the crowd get more excited, you focus more on the game. Like you need it, like you're used to it, you're too used to it. There's yeah. so I'd welcome it. Yeah, no, definitely. Did you hear Joey Wallace interview uh, Connor on Monday? She's like he was very honest about this. So like Joey Wallace scores one three in his man of the match in the county final this year. He's man of the match in the county final last year. He was very honest about how he dropped off the panel because he was absolutely livid about the way their manager last year, Davy Byrne, was given given the bullet. He was very, very honest honest in that he only came back onto the panel for the for the semi-final because he wouldn't be allowed to play for me this year like I mean how honest can you get and then you know like I mean does gets the winning goal does a does a cele- sliding celebration on his knees and I, I actually didn't know that if you didn't play club you couldn't play county it's it's funny actually, Willie. I uh, just had not long after we we recorded on Monday. It must have been Monday evening. Uh, a guy who works in radio up in me, David Sheehan, goes, "Geez, that was an um, unbelievable Joey Wallace interview." And I hadn't actually listened back to it yet. But he was telling me about Davy Byrne, and I hadn't. I to be honest, I had, I had to look up what what happened to Davy Byrne again. I I'd forgotten about it. I didn't. I I couldn't remember the circumstances that he was let go. So, like you know, it would have been so easy for for Joey just to say, you know, the day after his team won a county final, just to say, oh, yeah, I put that behind me." But he was yeah. he was really. And really honest about everything in terms of like, you know, uh, <laughs> found it funny how he was eating a chocolate biscuit cake in the Hill of Tara before the final as well. And then he got word he was starting and he said uh, he'd have to he'd have to leave that alone. But uh, er- er- everything was just very, really kind of refreshing and honest from everything. You know how how he has to consider what he's going to do with, with playing for Mead, with playing for Radot and trying to balance that with the with the athletics career as well. So, yeah, really great interview. Nearly as good as the as the knee slide celebration, which he explained in detail in the interview as well. Yeah, he my type of fella, Conan. I have to say, Joey Wallace. There's a bit of a Colin Parkinson in him, I think, somewhere uh, deep down. I thought exactly the same, and I, I knew <laughs> I knew you'd be sitting there with a new fond respect. For this guy. <laughs> I love him. Yeah, I love him now. Just zero zero bullshit from him. But like, I wonder. I wonder is that just made up for me about the the club thing? Because I was thinking about 
Connor Glass, who's coming back for Derry. He's in the Derry squad now, but he hasn't played with his club. Oh, yeah. He's away of AFL. Do you know, so I can wonder to me just say that to get him back or get him back playing, but uh, it obviously worked. Oh, yeah. His baby Brian Farrell just told him that to get him back for the semi final <laughs> and uh, win, the, win the final for them. Yeah. It was interesting as well where he said, like, obviously, I was given out about how players um, are being treated in this terrible weather and no dressing room. And he's a very easygoing sort of fella, Joey. Like, Joey, I would say, you know, doesn't get ever too you know, worked up about a match or is just kind of, you know, completely chilled out. But he says he prefers talking out outside because that kind of tension in the dressing room, and I kind of understood what he was talking about. In the dressing room, you get dragged into that nervousness that might be coming off other players and management and things like that. Whereas outside in the fresh air, that isn't an issue. I, I'm exactly the same as, as Joey Woolley because I, like I know this year for example we were being told that we had to gather because of because of COVID protocols we had to gather an hour and a half before a game and I hate like an hour to me is nearly too long I just hate the waiting around and then I thought oh Jesus you don't even have a dressing room to go to you know but like actually hanging around in a in, in a stand was far more relaxed Right. You know, it was like the it was like you know sometimes where you gather before a game and you're having a chat out in the you know outside the dress room and then as soon as you go into the dress room, the manager or some player might say, "Lads, we're in the dress room now." The yeah. head is on, you know. Yeah. You Chewed in, lads. That, that's exactly it. Whereas, like the time didn't seem to go nearly as long as it was. Like I, I just hate that waiting around in the dress room for over an hour, an hour and over an hour because. You're just wasting this nervous energy. Do you know, it's just like you're nearly killed out mentally before the game even starts because because of that tension in the dressing room. Yeah, and you Whereas, could be, and, and you could and you could be sitting down on the on the seat in the dressing room, completely relaxing, and some fellas right beside you, kind of running on the spot, banging a ball off the wall beside your head because he's yeah. <laughs> he's all nervous. Yeah, you could just get. And then if that happens in the stand, you can just go a mile away from him. Just <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, can't having, I can't be having you half an hour before. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Or there's two fellas. All of a sudden, Conan, you get a bang of a head on a ball of a ball because two fellas are hand passing it really aggressively oh. to each other in the dressing room in front of you, and it's just after hitting you. What the hell's that about, two boys? <laughs> you know how to catch and hand pass a ball. You don't need to catch it. And then, yeah, right, well, I'm not going to criticise these lads because each to their own, Connor. We deal with nerves in our own way, but I wouldn't imagine Joey Wallace sitting there is too too uh, fond of these lads. You know, getting in the zone. I thought you were going to mention the two two lads that might shoulder up against each other. You know, <laughs> did you ever see that in the dressing room? They tried to get pumped up. They ran it as well. Back it over for a few minutes. So, and listen, each, exactly. That's it. Each to their own. But at least, you know, the likes of a Joey Wallace, who's more relaxed, they had no choice but to nearly get caught up in that environment before a game when it's in a dressing room. Whereas when it's in a stand, as everyone's spaced out, if you're the relaxed type, you have the option to relax. It, it definitely suited me and obviously suits Joey Wallace. And I'd say a lot more than not, a lot more than us as well. Sorry, Conan, I cut you off there. I went to Connor instead of back to you. No, I was going to just say like that nonsense as well. When you're trying to relax and somebody's saying, we're too quiet, far too quiet in here. <laughs> so then people just start talking and then you're being told that you're talking too much and you're not focusing on the match. Yeah, like get us outside away from that zoo of a changing room. Yeah, Joey has completely changed my mind. It's all about the stand now. It should be little sections cordoned off in Croke Park for the teams to actually have their have their uh, pre-match uh, chats in the stand. You mentioned Connor Glass there. Colin O'Reardon, the talk is that he's going to come back um, and play for Tipperary um, in the championship. So they play Clare um, they play, play. It's actually interesting. Cork and Kerry play in the semi-final this year, so there's a chance to get to a, a Munster final. He, he he's missed a lot of the a lot of the season with injury. I don't know about you, Conan, but I find it hard to believe that Colin O'Reardon would would struggle with injury all year and then be given. Uh, 
you know, uh, permission by the Sydney Swans to be able to play for Tipperary uh, this this winter. I find that really hard to believe as well. Like, it depends what they're thinking about him long term wise, or do they think, like, no, they, they wouldn't think that him going away and playing a game that they have no idea about would be better for him. They can, he can do plenty of training or play plenty of, of games down in Australia. It's it's a strange one. It's a big it's a big ask <laughs> that he's asking them. Maybe I don't I don't know what their plans for the future are with him, but um, yeah, that's it, that wouldn't be allowed of Zach Tui, I would imagine anymore. No, no. Well, Claire Hurlers are in big trouble um, here, lads. So Podge Collins has left the panel. Colin Galvin has um, left the panel. He's got an injury with his groin and he's going to get it absolutely right for next year. Uh, Peter Duggan um, is uh, recovering from a cruciate and uh, O'Conn- or John Conlon is recovering for a cruciate and Peter Duggan um, is taking a year out. So uh, Colin Galvin, Peter Duggan and John Conlon arguably would be in the, well, the there is no doubt, it's not arguably, would be in Clare's top five most important players, along with Tony Kelly, maybe and David McInerney or something like that. So these are huge. Podge Collins, maybe not so much because he's been on and off the team, but still, you know, is an important player, especially when they're down, John Conlon and Peter Duggan. They're, they're all out. So Clare Hurlers are in big trouble. They play Limerick in the first round of the Munster Championship and they Limerick destroyed them last year um, in the Championship and that was with Clare's pretty much full team. Um, that match, interestingly enough, is doubling up as the as the league final and Davy Fitzgerald has been given out about this. This was last week. He was saying, we're still in the National League. We lost one game. We're in the quarter final and we're there on merit. The same as Galway are. I think Kilkenny and Waterford are there. I just think it was premature to do what they did and I don't think it was the right call. That's my honest opinion. I don't think you can pick two teams and throw him into a league final. Don't know about Davy. I know, like he obviously maybe one of his big targets, Connor, was winning the winning the league um, this year. But at the same time, geez, we're talking about things being messy enough as it is, without potentially um, starting to throw in a league game between Clare and Limerick in between the championship, and then a Limerick play Clare the following week again. I don't see a problem with with. Um, well, he wanted quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals, which are completely out of the question. Under the circumstances, no, I, I I don't have a huge problem with it either. I think Davy maybe did Davy suggest putting it back maybe to after the championship as well and playing as a lead in to the twenty twenty one season. Yeah, and you're talking about being messy, and that's that, that's just even messing it up even further. I mean, who knows where we're going to be come the start of next year? So like like under the circumstances, you know, it's not ideal, but nothing's ideal. Do you know what I mean? So like, I I I don't I don't have a huge I don't have a huge problem with it to be honest. Yeah, no, it's not something that I'm going to start giving out about or complain about anyways. De- um, definitely not. Um, Danny Sutcliffe was being interviewed during the week and he t- started talking about something that is a real pet hate of mine. I'm sure, Conan, we've talked about this on the, sh- on the show loads of times. Um, my memory's not great. He was asked about, because they're playing Leash, this is the first match in the in the championship, the 24th, 25th uh, of October. It is on live on Sky, available to the whole country. Um, and Danny was asked about whether or not to be looking for revenge against Leash. Obviously, a very, very famous win for Leash last year against uh, against Dublin in O'Moore Park. And he says, you can't be looking in the rearview mirror like that. That's a distant memory now. We had a we had a set of league games earlier this year and we'd won against Clare where we didn't perform. We had a couple of positives against Wexford in Croke Park and it's just dissecting those por- performances collectively and individually. It's stuff we're trying to correct. So this idea you can't look in the rearview mirror like that, does that suggest that you can't learn from mistakes? Like, for example, Dublin 
were expected very strong favourites to beat Leach. Did they take their eye off the ball? How did the training lead up to it? Do you know, maybe was the was the motivation not what it should have been, or were the heads not right? The idea that you can not look back in the rearview mirror, Conan, and and actually go back and see what went wrong in that game, and if you want to throw a little sprinkle of revenge in there, it would definitely work on somebody like me. Yeah, like you, you should be looking in the rearview mirror, to be honest. And uh, yes, as you say, seeing what you can learn from it. That, that but what, now, what do we know, though? Because Danny Sutcliffe's in the top hurlers in the world, and he says you don't look in the rearview mirror, Colin. So, like, what, what are we talking about? We know. Well, he's <laughs> <laughs> also talking to the media, so he's just planning it down. Like, I, I would agree with him in a sense that it wouldn't be anything for me, you know, before a match or during a game. Remember what they did to us last year, lads? Like, that's fair. Like, maybe, but in the build up, you're, like, for preparations, learn from it, definitely. And then, like, you know, train in a way that will, that will work towards making it better. But also, when you're trying to train harder, when you're doing some slog, those little words would help me push on a bit more. Like, you know, like that, just that feeling of last year, or remember what they did, or even like they're laughing at you, they think you're shit, or what the whole country was saying. You would run a bit faster for the for the last run. Like, but when it comes to match day, like that stuff then needs to be done, and that sort of steel needs to already have been built within you. I don't yeah. think talking about in the changing room like we're saying is going to be be much just that like Willie me and you know Danny so <laughs> but uh, like the, the emotive stuff doesn't always work for me but like something like think of the feeling walking off that field like we were expected Dublin were expected to take on Tipperary in the all around quarter final we yeah. were embarrassed we were a bit of a laughing stock let's think of that feeling do we want a repeat of that that kind of stuff would work on me a little bit Connor I don't know about you no, I get that. As, uh, like, I think when, when Danny Sutcliffe mentioned maybe look in the rearview mirror, I think it was maybe specifically to to the revenge issue. Do you know what I mean? And like, like that's like if, if the Dublin would be stupid if they didn't look back at that game and think, well, what do we what do we do wrong against Leash? What like you know there was there was an element of being caught on the hop, so there was something maybe in their preparation or in their tactical setup that day. So like to to, to ignore it entirely would would be wrong. But I like you know as long as revenge, I suppose, isn't the isn't the prime motivation, and you're relying on that solely to to to, to produce produce performance. It's definitely going to be an element of, of your motivation. But like, ally that with well, we definitely have to fix all the all the tactical stuff and all the preparation stuff that went wrong last year as well. So I don't know. Maybe maybe he thinks because it's been so long ago. I think it was July 2019. And you know, it's it. This game isn't going to be till fifteen months later. He thinks it's he, he's got them completely out of their system. But to, to but to block it out entirely, I think it'd be the wrong approach. Yeah, well, it might be a distant memory for Danny, but it's not a distant memory for us here in Leash, anyways. What a day, Jesus! I must I must go back and listen to Cheddar, the podcast we did the day after that match with Cheddar here now when we when we finish recording. Right, lads. Before we go to Mark Collins, I want to give a big shout out to Jack Davies. Um, he's a big GA fan and a big fan of the show, and he's not well at the moment. Um, but he doesn't let to get to him he's a very positive um, young fella and want to wish you all the best um, Jack and hopefully Galway will win the All-Ireland this year and Porrick Joyce will bring Sam back and it'll be a great Christmas um, for everybody in Galway well if Leash don't do it if Kerry Donegal and Dublin all you know have to pull out or something like that so I think every county maybe is in the mix for hoping the county could win the All-Ireland this year so best of luck Jack keep listening to the show and uh, all the best right we'll come back and we'll talk to Mark Collins next Doherty was a fantastic analyst and I mean I really heed what he would say in your programme I think Tyrone are going to win I'm going to go with them I 
as much as I, I predicted Dublin to win the All-Ireland at the start of the year, I just think Tyrone are going too well. They're unaffected by the other team. Too well set up. I think they've been preparing for Dublin for two years. They're ready for them. I'm, I'm going to go with them, you know. All right, so Mark Collins was the hero for Castlehaven last weekend. He scored the winning penalty in sudden death to send his team into the county final, and he joins us on the line now. Has the excitement died down a little bit, Mark? Yeah, I suppose we were kind of back to reality straight away on Monday. Colin went with the announcement that the that the club games were put to a stop. But um, yeah, it was crazy. All right, Sunday night. Um, it was a brilliant. It was a brilliant way to to finish a match for us. I know it must have been different for same thing, but uh, it was a crazy feeling afterwards, and and the excitement and buzz was kind of second to none. It was just a mad feeling. So what what's that feeling like, right? So this is your second penalty. It's the sixth one. It's on sudden death, and it's to win the game, and you stick it on the opposite side to the first one what is that run back to your teammates like or did you 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 ran didn't you you took off running somewhere yeah ran back ran back towards towards the lads in the middle of the pitch right? like it was just it was just an amazing feeling like I we've won a couple of counties with Cat Laven back in 12 and 13 and it was it was just a similar feeling to have actually won a county it was just an incredible buzz and I suppose it's kind of you know it's a thing that hasn't happened in the GA before and it's kind of once once in a career kind of thing so to be part of it was pretty special do, do, Have you a soccer background or have you taken penalties before or the legs like jelly walking up to them? <laughs> no I never played soccer um, uh, was always Jay growing up so I never played soccer but you know I think the, the kind of attitude we took was like that this was that it was a, a crazy situation and whatever happened you know it was going to be like that was the kind of attitude we took when we were when we met in the middle. They brought the they brought the five penalty takers into the middle, um, and you couldn't be with your teammates and just talking to right. each other. We were saying just have a, just have a go. Like it was never going to be held against you. You know, it's probably not it's probably not a thing that happens in the JD penalty shootout. So we just said that we had absolutely nothing to lose to have a go. And that was the attitude we took going up. Right. So you had lit the five of you had your own separate little huddle and team talk before you started taking them. Yeah, that was the thing they brought. They, they, that was that was the rules. Like we were on a completely unaware of the rules. Like even the sudden death, we didn't we didn't realize what was happening then. But that was the rules that the fight from Castlehaven and the fight from St. Finbars were brought into the middle of the pitch. No selector or any of our teammates could be near us. Um, and then, so once we had the five penalties taken, it had gone to sudden death, and anyone anyone who took one of the five, one of the first five, could step up in any order. So it's quite strange, like so. All right. I took, yeah, I took our first penalty, but I didn't have to take our first penalty in the sudden death. And, I get um, like, Yeah, I don't know where the rules came from, but that was it. Right, but you, but you you decided to take it anyway. You're captain of the team, and how did you decide to go the other way? Was that just a last minute thing? Because there's obviously a double bluff going on here. The goalkeeper's thinking, right, would well, he stuck it? Because that's a go to, like, if anybody didn't see the penalty that you took to win it, you put it into the right hand side for a right footed taker. But the go to penalty for a right footed taker when you're under pressure is to stick it low and left, low and to the goalkeeper's right, your left. Yeah, would you believe like when um, when the Bears guy missed their first sudden death penalty? I actually, I, we were talking, like the five of us were talking outside, and I said, "Will I change the way I'd go?" And they just said, "Make up your mind and pick a spot." And as I was walking up, I I just decided I change, and luckily um, the Bears keeper went the other way. <laughs> I don't think it was the greatest of penalties; it wasn't in the corner or anything. But thank God he went the wrong way, and 
uh, we were on the right side of it. Yeah, well, we all know when the goalkeeper goes the wrong way, it look, it's always a brilliant penalty, regardless of whether it's in the corner or not. <laughs> exactly. I think both of my penalties are a bit like that. <laughs> so, come here, the final's cancelled now. Like, I mean, how much of a kind of momentum, buzz killer, all that was kind of thing? Obviously, on Sunday night, your celebrations probably were dampened a bit by the idea that level five was floated, which would have cancelled it anyways. Then the GEA, you know, taking the decision to cancel them rather than go behind closed doors. Yeah, like, again, it's just a mad situation. I suppose 2020 has been a bit like that, and we've been hit by these situations all year. But like, as you said, Sunday night, the the euphoria of winning and, you know, we had recovery planned for Monday evening and everything was going to be fine the following week. Um, and then for that, for that to be stopped kind of Monday lunchtime, Again, you don't. You didn't really know where you stood. Like there were still talks that it could go ahead, and you really just didn't know where you stood. But um, obviously, it's a it's a it's a for now that it has been cancelled. And I think the hardest thing about it is no one really knows. Yeah. You know, even talking to manager James McCarthy, no one has any idea when it's going to be. So, like trying to plan and make make plans for the next couple of weeks, it's it's just very hard. Like you could you could be talking December, January, just no one knows. Like that's the hard thing, I think. But well, that is the hardest thing, and it gives you, puts you in a, in in no man's land too, because you'll be going back in with the county. You know, you don't know whether to give the club one night a week or when that county final is going to happen. Like I mean, it really is, in, it really puts you county fellas with Castlehaven and Nemo Rangers in a really awkward position. Yeah, I, I I suppose you're right, but like thinking of it over the last couple of days, I I, I suppose we're kind of the lucky guys, you know. We have a monster semi final against Kerry to look for it, and it's another big match, um, and you know your mind's kind of turned to that after a couple of days. I think I feel very sorry for the man in the club, you know. Like we have five guys involved with intercounty with Castlehaven, and I I think Nemo are pretty similar. Like we've two with the hurlers and three with the Cork footballers, so you know, like having those five away from training every night is very hard in your club players, and to be missing, you know, um, a third of your team every night of training just doesn't make it easy. Like a county final is, you know, a special occasion and um, yeah. a big occasion in your life, really, and to be preparing for that without, you know, a third of your team, it's it's just a very, very strange situation. It definitely has it been talked about at all um, down in Cork since this happened in that like you're promoted anyways like could your county final go ahead in two weeks time for example on the same weekend you know Cork's next league game is on and, and then just play without yourself in the Nemo let's because those two games you know are not of a vital importance to Cork yeah like again again as I said to you like just no one seems to know um, like obviously the US and at the moment there's no club games of any of any sort happening so like we really really don't know like just as I said talking to our manager James McCarthy trying to make a plan and to come up with something it's, it's just very hard at the moment and you know ho- ho- like you'd be hoping over the next couple of days that when things settle down that you know we'll be able to get an idea of when we might be able to get it fixed and then you can start making a plan for it maybe yeah exactly and are you back in with Cork now this week or have you been tipping away with them even once a week or just exclusively with Castlehaven we've been exclusively with Castlehaven but we actually went back in Thursday night um, right. just to show the face um, so it's kind of strange you have the, you have the bars guys Castlehaven lads and then meeting the Nemo guys who were supposed to be playing in the county final on Sunday but you know we're <laughs> laughing um, right. it, it wasn't any bit awkward so yeah as I, as I said to you like you know you're probably lucky that with Cork 
you kind of you're going back in and have have big matches to look forward to. Um, and I, I suppose that makes the next couple of weeks a small bit easier. Yeah, well, that, well, that's the thing. Like, I mean, you are definitely going to be looking forward to it because it's a huge game against Kerry. And like, you are on an upward trajectory. Like, being a Cork player this year is a lot more positive, I'm sure, than other years you've started. Yes, exactly. Like, you're really looking. You're really looking forward to that match. Like, um, it's a big match, and you know, um, I was I was injured at the start of the year, but like Cork, Cork had a very good uh, league campaign and. You know, a lot of the younger lads uh, were quite impressive. So, like as, as you said, it's it's something to really look forward to. And, um, you know, I think it's it's kind of in a month's time there now. So, you know, you've you've three four weeks to to really prepare for it. It is something definitely to look forward to. Yeah. And do you, do you, like I mean, it's it's fair to say since you joined the squad and since your age group joined the squad, like you've only won one monster. Kerry have dominated them. Like I mean, you came in the year after the one in All Ireland. Like you've been winning at underage. Cork have continued to win at underage. Like, do you use the fact that you've underachieved a little bit? I don't think it's up for debate that you've probably underachieved. You'd admit that yourself. Do you do you use that as motivation, or do you just kind of not speak about it? Yeah, no. To be honest, it's just not really talked about. Um, you know, obviously, interviews and stuff you've done. I've done over the years, and other lads have done over the years. Like the years go back, go go by very quickly. Like, and you don't even think of it. Um, but it, like, it has been obviously a massive disappointment. Like, I came in in 2011, as you said. Cork were flying that time, and like made an Ireland semi-final in 2012 against that very good Donegal team. Um, Jim McGuinness is Donegal team and yeah. you know we're very we're very close to making another Ireland final and before we knew you know we were, de- were down in Division 3 and struggling like as I said the, the years just flew by and it's been it has been a big disappointment and we know we have underachieved but um, I think Ronan McCarthy has made a, a great job over the last two or three years of you know settling it down and getting a bit of um, continuity and consistency in there and I think that is the big thing in Cork like over those 10 years we've probably had a couple of big performances but never backed them up really yeah um, and I think that is the thing to try to get a bit of consistency into the car camp and, and always from the outside looking in there's been all those complaints about not having a professional set up training in Fermoy all these kind of things now you have Keen O'Neill in as coach who's very highly regarded you have Kevin Smith as S&C you're training in Parky Creef which has great facilities all those excuses are kind of gone now and I'm sure you know feeling that you have a good set up adds to your confidence hundred percent. And like to be fair, to be fair, we could never complain about anything over over the years. We've always had good setups, but you know, I think the the problem has been that bit of consistency. Um, you know, we've chopped and changed with S and C coaches and stuff, and it, it it definitely hasn't helped. But I think I, I think we really we really can't have any complaints at the moment. We have uh, um, top top of the range, top class setup, and um, you know, hopefully hopefully there there is big improvement to come, and Park can kick on, really kick on now. I want to ask you your favourite uh, position on the field because, like, I mean, I thought I used to be a versatile player, but you've taken it to another level. Like, I mean, you played midfield, you've played centre forward, you used to be a working wing forward, you've played full forward, you've even been a sweeper. Like, I mean, this is just incredible versatility. But I always remember because I played a lot of different positions as well. I kind of liked the new challenge, but then looking back, I'm kind of thinking, geez, I wish I had just kind of tied down one position and, you know, played there all the time. Yeah, I suppose maybe it maybe it might be a small bit of a regret I have with Cork over the years that I haven't really nailed down any position to 
to a certain extent. Um, you know, when I was underage, I played a lot of centre forward and stuff and quite liked it. But with the club over the last two years, I played good with that midfield and really, really enjoyed it. Maybe now at inter-county level, it will be a different, you know, with physique and size um, might come against me at inter-county level. But uh, to be honest with you, I really enjoyed midfield with the club over the last year. Right, right. Okay, so midfielder, centre-forward, you're saying. Because, like, I mean, you, you struck up a great partnership with Brian Hurley last year to Leach's um, cost um, in Turles that day. Like, I mean, you destroyed us. But, like, playing inside with Brian Hurley, who makes brilliant runs and the fact that Cork have changed their style and are playing a bit more direct you know that's not a bad uh, place to be either No not at all and I suppose you know like I've been I've been lucky enough to play with Brian since I was 14 or 15 um, you know I've, I've lived with him in Cork for a while as well and you know he's one of my best friends so to, to play with him and you know have a connection with him was quite easy and you know we we, we seem to work well after two so I really enjoyed that stage of last year as well Right. Like, I mean, was it is it true in the middle of last year you had a players meeting and said, look, this kind of style of football doesn't suit um, Cork so much and he changed it? Because obviously you and Brian were getting brilliant ball um, as the year went on. But at the start of the year, that might not have been the case. Yeah, I think that story was kind of was kind of blown out of all proportion, to be honest with you. Um, was it? Yeah, that was like that was flying around Cork at the time. And I think I think what like what actually happened was we had started the league very badly and we were play, we were playing tip and turlet and basically we just said that this couldn't go on like we had to as players we had to take responsibility and actually start performing you know that there was no excuses we had a good setup everything was going well and we just weren't performing and I think that's where the story kind of came from and it was just kind of blown out of all proportion to be honest with you Alright right, So that wasn't sorry it wasn't last year it was the year before or was it last year? It was last year it was the start well, of last year's league yeah, oh, it was, yeah. Sorry, you were in Division 2 last year, yeah. Division 2, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, I think we might have been beaten in the first maybe two or three games. Um, and poor, yeah, we'd be beaten by Kildare. And we'd play it, just poor performance. We'd put up no scores at all. Um, and we were playing tip and turnless. Right. So is there no truth to the fact that you changed your your tactics a little bit in in and around that time? No, the, the, only, the only change in tactic that night was we were playing kind of we were playing with two men back in the first couple of league games and we knew that Brian Fox from Hip was giving us was going to be a free man. Um so we knew we had one already. So we just we we just used that to our advantage and so we didn't need to bring so many the so many forwards back. We were kind of bring two forwards back at the start of the league. Right. Um, was it our two wing forwards maybe we're going back. I think I played as a sweeper against Kildare actually. Um and it just kind of turned. We just got a bit of momentum from that game on, and I, I think that's where the story came from. That that the players decided we had changed the way we were playing, but that that wasn't true, to be honest with you. Right, so you're blowing all these rumours out of the water here, Mark. Like, I mean, the fact that you didn't have professional setups in your training in Fermoy, that was overblown. And last year's rumours of the change in tactics. Like, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> this is still well, fantastic. That, that was that we were training in Fermoy and stuff, but they, they had reasons for that at the time as well. But, um, yeah, like, look, look, luckily, since Packy Cueve, since Packy Cueve had been redone, you know, we were training in there a good bit last year. And with the, 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 the different thing based around the city for like yeah. you know, and everything, and it's it's just a big advantage, like obviously. 
Yeah. So, like, I mean, I suppose this Kerry game, like, this is all the eggs in one basket. This is a one-off. This is like old school Munster Championship uh, match. This is like an all-earned final, pretty much. You're preparing for. Yeah, exactly. And like, what else could you ask for? You know, uh, at certain stages during this year, we didn't think we could have any football. You know, we've been lucky enough to get 99% of the club season in, and you know looking forward to it month or time to match against your main rivals like it's it's a it's a great match to look forward to and it, you know as I said for for a year that we didn't think we'd have any games it's it's just a, a, a great match to really be looking forward to like yeah exactly well listen come here best of luck in it anyways Mark and thanks very much for taking the call super thanks a million Colin great talk to you alright great stuff from Mark there we'll be back on Monday we'll have no games to review so we might see what we do but we'll definitely be doing a show for you on Monday and we'll talk to you then good luck Both pairs have, have spoken with each other and uh, um, they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing years.